Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self Made as a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we are chatting with successful business owners to hear their stories of building their business. And because we know that success doesn't happen on our own, we're taking some time to recognize and give shout outs to the folks who have helped us along the way. I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today. My guest is doing both of the things that he said he wanted to do when he grew up. Um, at the age of five, he said that. Uh, his favorite things to do in his downtime is mountain biking and alpine and Nordic skiing. And he's most proud uh, of not giving up on his dreams. And now he has a platform to be able to encourage others to do the same. It's my pleasure to welcome Jeff to the show today. Hello, Jeff. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. You are welcome, man. Hey, let's jump in. Have you? Uh, let's have you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born and live, and about your family and hobbies. Yeah. So uh, my name is Jeff Dodge. Uh, was born and raised in Colorado Springs. Um, that's a little bit where the uh, the skiing and the mountain biking got started. Um, but since I was as long as I can remember, I wanted to drive race cars and uh, that ultimately brought me to Indiana. Um, so in 2005, I'd been racing for a while and, and won a scholarship uh, to enter the Indy Lights series, which is the development series for IndyCar and moved to Indiana and take my shot at the Indy 500. So uh, came out here for that and have never left. Fantastic. Now, um, so that's one of the two things that you wanted to be when you grow up. What was the other? Well, so when I was five, my mom asked what I wanted to be when I grew up. And uh, I said either a backhoe operator or a race car driver. Um, she wasn't very thrilled with either option, I don't think. <laughs> uh, but that's that's what I do now. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, Jeff, is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? Um. Yeah, so I've always been pretty mechanical and a bit of a tinkerer. And so while I was still in diapers, I used to take things like television apart. Uh, I took the oven door off once. And so generally speaking, was uh, <laughs> not to be trusted around tools. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Hey, tell us um, about the business. How did it come about? And at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? Ooh, that's a tough question. Uh, there's some days I still question what I'm doing. Um, so Jeff Dodge Racing started uh, two years ago. Um, and really, it uh, was an evolution of my passion for driving race cars. Um, and also the opportunity that I found with another business that I own with a partner called Lamb Excavating, uh, which is how I'm a backhoe operator. Um, but anyway, uh, if you rewind to kind of my start in small business, uh, I was at IUPUI in the Kelly School of Business, and a gentleman that I knew through the through the racing business um, approached me and asked if I had any interest in painting some parking lots to make extra money, and I had no intentions of of being a small business owner really of doing anything other than driving race cars, except I was broke and uh, was eager to make a few bucks and knew some property owners around the Indianapolis area. So I agreed uh, to take that on. And um, 
he brought I, I thought it was gonna be like a like a parking lot striper in the back of a pickup type of thing, but he really kind of showed up with a whole turnkey little business. And so running alongside my education at, at Kelly, um that was when I kind of realized that I thought maybe I wanted to work for myself. Very cool. Um well, then tell us a little bit more about the companies. What uh, what are their names? Uh, what do you guys do? How do you help people? So um, Lamb Excavating is a water, sewer, and septic excavating company. Uh, we serve Marion County and the Donut Counties around us for the most part. Um, we do mostly new construction work. Uh, we do some repair and... Um, and drainage and we'll do some stuff for HOAs, but the, the bread and butter of that business is new construction, uh, mostly residential, but we do a little bit of commercial stuff here and there and uh, we tie in site utilities. So, um, so people can live as we've become accustomed in the first world with running water and flushing toilets. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I had, uh, I had somebody on, uh, earlier in the week and they were uh, talking about um, uh, ministry work that they're doing and, and helping people to have water that is drinkable instead of the brown sludge that comes out. So yes, we, we have come accustomed to something that doesn't exist in all parts of the world. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate here in the United States to live in the comfort that we do. Um, my wife is, is involved with, a ministry and, and a well project was a recent a recent thing they were doing in Kenya and that kind of obviously strikes close to home um, when you know our biggest problems are figuring out how to get it from across the yard. <laughs> right. Hey Jeff, share a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think that you could, and the impact that that person had on you. Well, I think that's a good one to go back to, to my first little foray into business. Um, gentleman's name is Kurt Shuttleworth. Uh, he's actually still involved with, with Jeff Dodge Racing financially uh, through a couple of his companies. But when he showed up with the, uh, with the parking lot striping equipment and, and said, here, this is, this is what we're going to do. And here are some flyers and business cards. And I looked straight back at him and said, hey, I'm not a salesperson. Like, <laughs> I've got a few people I know that we could probably go do a little bit of work for, but like, I don't, I mean, this is not what I expected. And he, he kind of was like, no, you'll be fine. Just let's go get in the truck and go try to sell something. And <laughs> so we started walking in, walking in businesses. Um, my first ever sales call was, was into the white castle on Crawfordsville road. If, if you're from Indianapolis and familiar um, and it just so happened that they were looking to get some parking lot work done and the regional man, the district manager was coming in the next day and we got a call back. And, um, and so my first sales call that I did kind of from the driver's seat, uh, we ended up landing 46 white castles across central Indiana and, and away <laughs> we went and it was kind of, uh, that confidence boost that. Whether I was good at it was debatable, but it was worth <laughs> pursuing. Yeah. For everyone listening, it's sales is not always that easy. 
<laughs> you no. don't always get 46 yeses on your first attempt. <laughs> to be fair, though, I mean, you know, sales is is still a numbers game, I think. And um, really, the biggest thing that changed my perception of sales was instead of thinking about it in terms of going out and trying to sell somebody something, um, it was really more about understanding their needs and how you can meet them. Yes, absolutely. I, I love that because sales is actually professionally helping people to make a decision that's right for them. Yep. Uh, it's not about selling. If it's not right, it's not right. And I love what you said. It's a numbers game, right? We move on to the next person until we get to a yes. It's Agreed not personal. Fully. It's not rejection. It's just if what we have doesn't meet their need, then no harm, no foul, right? Yep. Hey Jeff, share a story or, or elaborate on that. So how did how did he instill that that confidence in you or inspire you? What was it that that he did that made you feel like okay, yeah, you know what? I'll give this a shot. I mean, kind of put the boot to my rear and was like, hey, go <laughs> walk in that place and do what I did at the last two we went to. Um, but I think really just just kind of came alongside and took me out and. Um, and was there. I mean, there wasn't like a big pep talk or a, hey, you've got this and I see something in you that you don't see in yourself or anything like that. It was just walking into a few places and hearing what he said and how he approached it and realizing like, yeah, that's not that hard. I, I just need to ask to speak to the right person and then ask that person if we could, if we could give them, give them a number on the work and, and, um, in a lot of ways, that's still what I do today. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. What's been your biggest learning as a business owner? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I think understanding a little bit more about the different types of people mm -hmm. and um, the way that you have to interact and treat different types of people from whether it's it's different personalities or uh I don't know, maybe character traits to, to like complete, you know, other cultures that you might interact with. Right. Um, and understanding how to do business in a way that they are comfortable with. Um, again, I hate to keep going back to our first little business, but um, we did a lot of, a lot of work for hotels and it was a niche that, um, and, and, with lamb excavating we still kind of do some hotel work uh, is probably the biggest portion of our commercial work um and there's in indianapolis here at least um that is that is heavily dominated uh by indian culture and i was going to school at iupui and ran around with a bunch of indian kids that were friends of mine and they really kind of came alongside me when I was frustrated with a customer and they were like, no, 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 no. You just, you're, you're thinking about this from the American perspective. Like you need to know how we do business in India. And if you can do that, I think maybe you'll do better. And so they, um, they kind of culturally told me how it was and, you know, Hey, this isn't personal. And, um, and we love to haggle and like, that's part of, a good business deal for us. So come in prepared for that. <laughs> and honestly, um, we, anytime we're working on a hotel, we we've taken a piece of their culture. Um, and we ask our customers to provide that for us even outside of their culture, because 
Um, in many cases, they have um, maybe an assistant type person, and they're going to go out to make sure that uh, the boss doesn't get shorted and that they have, you know, that whoever's doing the work gives them what they're paying for. And it was my friends at school that said they are kind of culturally someone that takes orders. And so don't be shy about asking them for what you need and they'll do it. And, and that proved to be really the pivotal thing that changed the hotels for us from a challenge because you always had something that was in the way or, you know, needing to get, get something moved or find something or whatever it was. And suddenly we had um, basically an owner's representative on site with us all day, every day. And, and we asked for that now because it is, was so effective. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that was probably the biggest thing I've learned is just trying to learn about different types of people, learn about the different cultures business-wise that you'll encounter out there. And then, um, trying to figure out how to leverage those, uh, both for your benefit and the customer's benefit. I, I love what you're saying because, um, we are all programmed differently or hardwired differently. And, and one of the tools that we use uh, is the DISC profile. So um, that helps us understand, you know, what's our communication preference or our communication style. So to your point, right, it's, it's very common that, you know, one person is, wants to build a rapport and build a relationship and likes to interact with other people. And, and another person just wants to look at the facts and wants results and wants, you know, doesn't want to, doesn't want to build that relationship. So, you, you know, there's a natural conflict that can happen there. But once you understand what the other person's needs or preferences are, it's easy to adapt to, to their style and to their preference and give them what they need so that they can make decisions that are right for them. So, yeah, that's awesome that you, that you've uh, identified that and that you had people that could help you to, you know, accelerate your learning curve. I'm, my whole life has been kind of a sequence of being in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, whether you call it, call it destiny or your calling or whatever, but the right people have always seemed to be around when they needed to be. And, and I've been very blessed in that way. That's fantastic. So Jeff, um, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So share with us one of your biggest uh, business challenges during the years and maybe a fellow business owner who, you know, came alongside you and helped you get through that. Um, I think honestly, we're, I'm, I'm sort of in my, my biggest business challenge to date now. Um, I've always, I've always wanted to race and I've been fortunate to have enough ability and to stumble into the right place at the right time often enough that I got to do a lot of things that I didn't really. Um, but in starting to launch my own operation, that meant that I had to try to fundraise and, you know, I could sell parking lot striping jobs. I could sell asphalt ceiling jobs. I could sell paving patching jobs. I could sell, uh, post-construction cleanup for, a, for another business I worked for after, um, at one point and I could sell excavating jobs, but I'd never been very good at selling motorsports partnerships. Um, and so there've been a few people that have come alongside to help get us off the ground. Um, uh, there's a gentleman named Mike Simon 
Uh, he's a YouTuber, a construction YouTuber, um, and he's he's come alongside to support us. A uh, gentleman named Bob Ruckin from Diamond Equipment. Um, they are a Case Hyundai and Takeuchi dealer that is partnered with us this year. Um, he's come alongside, and and those guys uh, have really kind of helped me to gain confidence that that our program. Uh, which is really aimed at showing young people the opportunity I found in the skilled trades, um, which has allowed me to to launch this racing endeavor on my own. Um, but you know they've come alongside and given me some confidence that that what we're doing is valuable and uh, and believed in me and my program enough um, that we're kind of putting one foot in front of the next. So I still think it's probably my biggest challenge it's um it's funny how the thing that you love the most is the thing that is the hardest for you to kind of wrap your hands around um <laughs> but thankfully I've, I've had people like that that have come alongside and kind of given me the confidence to, to keep trying oh, i love that that is awesome now tell us a little bit more you uh, in the intro i mentioned that you now have a platform to encourage others you just talked about that a little bit but if you wouldn't mind, why don't you elaborate a little bit more on, on how you're uh, using that to, to help motivate others to go after their dreams? Yeah. So basically um, I was looking at what my life was at the moment that racing full-time to put food on my table was kind of no longer viable and, or not, it wasn't really a career. Um, when you were, when I was in my twenties and renting a room at a friend of mine's house and kind of just, as long as there was something to put on the table and eat for dinner most nights and the rent wasn't too late. Um, but Hey, you know what? All you had to do is say that you race cars for a living and that was pretty cool. Uh, but you get to 30 and you start to look a little bit longer term and, and think about things like, man, you know, I'm never getting ahead of anything. And like, it's always hand to mouth and just scraping to make ends meet and kind of uh, the stress of being in or out of a ride. And you realize that maybe that's not the life you want forever. Um, that it was time, it was time to grow up a little bit and get focused. And so um, anyway, I was looking at where I was when I stepped away at that point, And then at the point that I started putting my own program together and I made a list of facts of life on one side, where I was when I stepped away and ultimately ended up in construction. And then I made a list about facts of life, uh, when I, started buying equipment to put my own program together and was like, wow, you know, cool. I'm getting to do this racing thing, but like my life doesn't even look the same anymore. Um, you know, it's hard to believe it's the same person. And then you look at the timeline for that and you go, wow, that's like five and a half years apart. Um, that's about the amount of time it takes somebody to go get a college education. And um, by then it was pretty apparent like I said, I did, I did go to the Kelly school of business and I'm not anti-college education by any stretch of the imagination. Um, 
But my wife was kind of the counterexample of someone that went into an immense amount of student debt. She's the most intelligent woman that I've ever met. Um, but ultimately, she has a degree that she doesn't use mm. for what she does. And she's very successful uh, in the tech industry. Um, but she made her own way, ultimately. And yet, you know, we're still working to get out from under that debt load. And so I look at young people um, and I, I just thought, you know what, like maybe this is sort of an advertisement for our industry because uh, as, as far as I've been able to come with business, my biggest challenge now um, as my partner and I start to work on the business more than we work in the business is who is going to work in the business. Yeah. And um, you know, the median age of, of someone in our industry is like 46 years old. And, um, and so I was looking going, wow, this is the opportunity I found for myself. And I need to encourage some other people that want to come into this industry. Otherwise I've, I've hit the glass ceiling already. Mm. And I have a desire to go fast and turn left and people like to buy tickets and come watch us do it. So maybe I can roll all those things together um, and help encourage people that this is a place that you can make your dreams come true, regardless of whether you want to, you know, have a single income household or the coolest boat on the lake or, you know, um, own your own business or, or whatever it is that this is a place that you can come and you don't have to have, you don't have to have a prestigious education that you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for, I mean, we started, started lamb excavating ultimately with less than a thousand dollars. So, um, and just, you know, a lot of hustle and, and I look at what our business is looking for and it's, it's that if there's a person that wants to come and learn to do this, we'll pay you to come work for us while we teach you everything you need to know to be successful. Yeah. And deliver deliver the experience that that Lamb Excavating um, has grown under. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it, Jeff. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, if I was to ask you to pick three people in your business owner journey that you're most grateful for them being there to help with your business's growth, who are those three people, and how they help you? Um, I already mentioned Kurt. Uh, very thankful that he came along and for whatever reason decided that it was worth, it was worth kind of getting started with me. Um, second person is my partner, Brian Spagnolo. Um, mainly just, he's a guy that is upstanding wants to do the right thing but ultimately you know is going to stand back to back with you through through the fire um and i would encourage anybody starting a business i mean there's a trade-off when you have a partner obviously like with a partner you've got to share some of the spoils of victory but the flip side is um if it's not victory and and the blood is flowing and the battle is fierce, um, <laughs> you're not there by yourself. Yeah. Um, I, so Brian's probably the second one that I would be most grateful to. Um, and man, to pick a third, 
is tough because there have been a lot of people that have influenced us, played a part in what we've done um, in one way, shape, or form. Uh, there's a gentleman from Pennsylvania that I know through racing named Gene Frankoviak, and he his some of his little tidbits of wisdom um, still resonate to this day. Um, there's a group that uh, is a paving company out of Westfield called Delello and Sons. Um, they've been very good to us over the years. We knew them from the parking lot striping days. And uh, I think they've just been a model of, of what kind of business we want to be, mm. um, you know, doing high quality work, delivering exceptional customer service, and, and frankly, being paid well for doing it. Mm -hmm. um, I, could, I could probably keep going on and on. <laughs> There's so many people that have influenced us in one way or another. Um, and I, I kind of feel bad, but, uh, gentleman, Shane Wade, uh, Marion underground construction, uh, he, he's been influential in many ways. Um, guys right here in town, uh, matter of fact, like a couple people that, um, you might say we're in co-opetition with, uh, we're, we're fortunate that there's enough work around that, that even amongst some of our competitors, you know, we can trade and pass jobs around and ask questions um, and, and get honest answers, even though come bid day, you know, somebody might be evaluating us uh, to pick who they're going to choose. But um, but, yeah, there's there's been a tremendous number of people that have helped That's, us. That is fantastic. I love you use the word coopetition. We use that as well in in our world. Um, the difference really how we position it is if you have an abundance mentality, then you cooperate or you it's coopetition, right? If you have a scarcity mindset, then it's uh, competition. So I love that you use that word. It, uh, it resonates with the way that we think as well. That's awesome. That's, that's been something that, that Brian and I have, have kind of believed for a long time um, is that a lot of times you'll find what you believe you're looking for, what you believe is out there. Yeah. And so we've always kind of felt like um, that business was not a zero sum game with a winner and a loser. Yeah. Um, that there were scenarios where you could have win, win, or win, win, win. Um, and, and I think that, you know, if you, if you go into business with the mindset that everybody that does what you do is the enemy, um, <laughs> you'll find that you have a lot of enemies, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you go into business with the mindset that you're competing for market share, and I think especially if you've, if you've picked a good business, um, this goes back to that guy I mentioned, Gene, you know, in, in the right business, there should be enough, of a profitability to allow you to work with nice equipment that will allow you to um, be selective about what type of work you take yes. uh, or, or what you do. And so I think when you found a good niche for yourself um, that a scarcity mindset really just limits your possibilities yeah. and, and frankly, lengthen, lengthens your learning curve. Right. Um, because, you know, if you've got somebody who's, who's further along down the road and maybe they're on to slightly bigger and better things than what you're trying to go after as a startup. Um, a lot of times they can, they can kind of help, help you see some of the pitfalls in the places that, 
um, that you need to be aware of without having to learn those lessons the hard way. Yeah. Amen to that. Hey, um, as you think about the next three to five years, Jeff, what are the biggest challenges that you see that you're going to face in reaching your goals and who are the types of people that you're going to need to help you solve those challenges? Well, well, with the Jeff Dodge racing front, I think, um, our biggest challenge is going to be to find partnerships, uh, that allow us to hire the personnel that we need, um, to do, to take our program to the next level and become more and more competitive, uh, to acquire some of the assets we need to be a little bit deeper on the asset side. Um, and, and that kind of parallels to a certain degree uh, what we'll see with lamb excavating. And part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing with the race team is, um, you know, we need to find motivated, hardworking individuals that, uh, that want to come into our business. Like, it's not too hard to find people that need the work that we do done. And we've been in the business long enough that, um, that the phone does ring. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have to say no to a lot of things because we can't deliver, mm. uh, our experience to more people than who are delivering it to now. Yeah. And so, um, so really I think that's, that's the biggest challenge I see in the next three to five years, uh, on both sides is, is finding the people that we need to be successful. And so, um, we're hoping that, that maybe the two sides can scratch each other's back. And right. you know, if, uh, if I'm honest, I don't think that, that our little race program is going to change the world. But again, going back to you often find what you put out, yep. um, you know, in, in talking to a lot of uh, OEMs and, and manufacturers of construction equipment um, and asking them what the skill gap means to them and, and how they see that impacting their business. It's been interesting to hear some of those responses. Hmm. Um, you know, some of them want to want to glaze over and, oh yeah, we have no problem finding people to make our stuff and, and life's peachy. And you kind of are standing there and you look back at them and you go, I think you're missing the boat. <laughs> like, I would be a potential buyer of your, of your product, but I've got equipment sitting on the yard that we're not using currently. So I don't need more stuff sitting back there. Right. So yeah, until I can find some people, I'm not interested in purchasing your product. Now, what do you think? Um, but then there are others. And, and, you know, I think diamond equipment's a great example. They're building a new corporate headquarters in Evansville across the street from, from a career in tech school. And the idea is that the students will then be able to use their shops as a place to gain experience and get their hands dirty. Mm. And, you know, they're not shy about the fact that they're hoping they have the opportunity to pick off some of some of the best and brightest students in that school to stay within the diamond family. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so that's, that's really who we're looking for are, are the types of companies that, um, that have recognized that we have a growing problem in the United States for, for skilled labor. Right. Um, Case put out a, a statistic at the Connex show that I think kind of illustrates the problem. Uh, basically, over the next 10 years, we'll have the largest federal expenditure of funds toward infrastructure as a percentage of GDP since the building of the interstate highways. 
Wow. And uh, the contractors that would be expected to do most of that work typically are going to see a 40% or 46% reduction in workforce due to retirement. And there's no plan to fill it. <laughs> so there's immense opportunity. Um, and, and we just need people. Yeah. Wow. Hey, uh, Jeff, it sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people that have, uh, you know, been uh, with you along the journey. If they were all on the show here today, what would you want to say to them? Ultimately, thank you. Um, I mean, I don't think, I don't think I would be where I'm at or be who I am without all of those people. And, uh, I certainly don't have it all figured out and would like to go a lot further and, and kind of achieve a lot more before it's all said and done. Um, but I would probably, I, I don't even know where I'd be without those people. Um, and so I think, I think thank you would be the first thing I'd want to say. Awesome. Jeff, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Much appreciated, Tim. And uh, hopefully we can stay in touch and, and love what you're doing with um, with getting some business owners to kind of show people that you don't do things by yourself. Awesome. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread the movement by liking the show and posting about it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to BeMadTogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward, and I'll see you all next time. Take care.